This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Good morning. How you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Yeah? Everybody loosey-goosey this morning? Do this. Let me see you do this. Loosey-goosey. Let's go. Look, the one, the one teenager, well, maybe the third teenager on the bottom floor is the only one telling me no right now. That's, if you want to see a preview of Catalyst, it's that times 30. So, All right, guys, let's get... No. Okay. Why do I do this? I'm kidding. Okay. So uh, we, uh, we're, we're going in on some carols this morning, man. If you guys didn't, couldn't tell, we, we got into the Christmas spirit this week, um, we had a night of worship that was kind of centered around uh, the Christmas songs and getting into that, uh, that whole vibe. And we talked about joy and peace and hope and all those things. And so with our series, Carols, we're doing that. But uh, some of us have sang these carols, these songs uh, our whole life, and they sound really nice and pretty and catchy and, and all that. And we don't really look at like the explanation behind the song all the time. I know I didn't. And so uh, uh, that's what we're going to do with this. And so this morning, I want you guys to be thinking in the mindset of, oh, holy night. You guys know that one? You guys know that one? I heard a bunch, a bunch of people go, hmm. That make you think of food or something? Hmm. Oh, holy night. Okay, so I'm not going to sing. I learned my lesson with that, but oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night for our dear Savior's birth, right? Something like that? Yeah? You guys good? Okay, cool. So as I was thinking about this, right, I'm thinking about oh, holy night. I'm thinking about the whole theme of the song, and automatically as a dad, it takes me to dad stuff, right? It takes me to that, that, that area in my brain, which is pretty much the majority of my brain now, because I have a young child, so it's like all like, you know, it's, we're right in the thick of it right now, and so as far as involvement goes, and so, which I don't know if that should ever change, but right now it's like, don't touch that, don't do that, don't climb on that, you know, don't eat your boogers, that kind of stuff. And so uh, me, and, me, Trish, and Scott, and Carmen actually had this conversation last night. We were going through what parents uh, uh, tell their kids about boogers because we were trying to think of whether it's good or not. And so somehow we Googled what's up with boogers, like what's in them. And we found out that now, <laughs> whatever. Okay. I was just gonna say, we found out that boogers are actually like nutritional. Like we found out that boogers, eating boogers helps your, like, what is it? Helps your immune system or something? Is Scott's not, yeah. <laughs> so if you look over and you see Scott slip one, don't say nothing. He's he forgot his multivitamin, so he's supplementing. So, but so we uh, <laughs> we uh, we talked about boogers last night. It's good night. Um, but I'm, I'm thrown into that whole mix of dad stuff, right? And so, four almost five years ago now, Olivia was born. And man, that day was one of the wildest days to this day that I've ever experienced. Like, we, we lived in Ocala, Florida, so shout out to Andy. Uh, I don't know where you're going to be living, but don't go to Ocala, it's boring. But we lived in Ocala, and because there's nothing in Ocala, we had to drive 45 minutes north to Gainesville. If you guys are college football fans, then you know that Gainesville is the home of the Gators, right? We, uh, when we lived in Florida, Carmen was diehard Seminole. 
So that was weird. We were like having a baby in gang territory. It's, you don't do that, okay? But we did, and so we drove to Gainesville to have Olivia. We're in the hospital, and Carmen's chilling. She's doing her thing. If you've met Carmen, she's very competitive. She's very like, ugh, like, you know, she, she's tough. She's tough, right? But she doesn't do pain very well, which is weird. And so <laughs> they gave her, they made the mistake. She's sitting on the hospital bed, and we're just chilling. It's like the longest, like, like, process ever. I'm like laying on the couch, playing games on my phone, doing whatever. Carmen's just chilling. I'm like, baby yet? Nope. Baby yet? Nope. All right, I'm going to the cafeteria, right? And so this whole thing lasted like 29 hours. Like she was in labor, her water broke, but then we were there for like another day and a half before any action popped off. And so they, they, they just got so tired of coming in and checking on her that they gave her the little remote control thing that, that like channels the, 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 like the pain numbing, whatever. As you can tell, I was not paying attention. And so they gave her the little control and any time she felt like any sort of discomfort, she hit the button. She'd be like, ooh, ah, ow, whoop, right? She'd be like, I, don't, I can't bend down and scratch my foot right now, so I don't want to feel the itch, whoop, right? And she would just hit it, whoom, 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 right? And so I was cool with it because that saved me all these other trips. When she was like, Richard, come here and help me turn this. I was like, hit the button, whoop, right? So this, this created a problem because, because when it, <laughs> the doctor came in finally after like, you know, 10 hours, and he walks in and he's like, oh, you're ready. And Carmen's like, ready for what? He's like, it's time. Like, it's time. It's time to go. We got to go right now. And I was like, huh? She didn't even, like, nothing's happening. We were sleeping. And, like, he was like, no, we got to go now. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it went from zero to, like, 60 like this. And before I could even <laughs> get up and, and, and put my shirt on and all that, I was like, Standing up in the middle of the room, and it was so urgent that they literally just grabbed her bed and, like, yanked her bed out of the room. All the cords got plugged from the wall. The TV, like, fell over. Like, they were like, we got to go now. And all of a sudden, I was like, ah, ah. And they were out of the room, and I looked, I looked over at the doctor, one of the doctors. And here's the other weird thing. We're at a college, and they're training doctors on the job. I'm like, can y'all pick another baby to train on? Because I'm free. And so, like, I look over at him, and I'm like, hey, where are you guys going? And the doc, I promise you, the doctor literally grabs the blue, like, scrubby things and goes, put that on. And he just walks away. And I was like, where are you going? And he just left. And I'm not, I'm not even lying to you. I'll admit it. I picked up the phone, called my mom, and I just started crying on the phone. I was like, I don't know where they took her. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> right? And my mom's like, go ask a nurse. I was like. I'll call you back. <laughs> so I ended up finding the room they were in. I walk in, and the whole chaos of it was that Olivia's uh, heart rate, rate was rapidly dropping, like, into dangerous, like, we're going to lose the baby zones. And so they had to, like, try to get Olivia out as quick as possible. So now we're in the room, and they're like, they're like, Mr. Clone, hey, hey, come on. I need your help. You need to come over here. You need to hold this leg right here. And in my mind, leading up to this, I had waited for this day. I was like, let's go. I played football. I can catch. I, you know, I can do whatever when this baby comes out. They didn't make me do any of that. They were like, hey, you need to, gra you need to grab her leg 
and hold her leg as far back as possible. And I was like, oh. And they were like, no, just grab her leg and just hold it back. She can't move. And so I was like, all right. So it turned from me playing football to me trying to get a pin on my wife like we're WWE stars. So now she's on the bed. I had her leg up. And I'm like, so we can be a cow. One, two. So her leg's back. And all of a sudden, the doc, she's going to kill me. Uh, the doctor... The doctor looks over at, looks up at Carmen, and here's, here's where the whole thing comes for full circle. Looks at Carmen and goes, I need you to push. I need you to start doing something. You need to push right now, or you're going to lose your baby. And Carmen goes, I don't know if I am pushing or not. I can't feel anything. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was sitting here, and I got her legs so far back that I'm, like, looking her in the face. And I was like, are you, you got to be kidding me right now. How many times you push that button? She's like, I don't know. So, so they, they pull this thing out called the, like the kiwi or some crap, which it has nothing to do with fruit, so I don't know why they call it a kiwi. But when they saw Olivia's head crown, they had to throw this suction cup thing on her head, like, right? And then they had to, like, and, like, try to pull her out. They get her halfway out, right? Sorry if this is graphic, but good morning. And they get her halfway out, and they realize they got her umbilical cord around her neck. And anytime they pull down, it's like noosing her up. So now Olivia's turning purple. I got Carmen's toes above my head. Carmen doesn't know what's going on. She's crying because she can't feel anything. She doesn't know if she's pushing or pooping or what. <laughs> and the doctor is screaming at everybody. And then all the student doctors are watching in horror, like off to the side, like, right? Like, oh my God, what am I looking at? Right? And so, uh, so finally they pull Olivia out. They, I watched the doctor. It was wild. I watched the doctor take her umbilical cord and like, like slip it over her head and then pull her straight out. And they like, like cut the umbilical cord and took off running. And I'm waiting. You know, you picture this in your mind. You're like, it's going to be that. I'm going to be crying. And I'm going to be like, oh, she's so beautiful. Right? They snip, snip the cord up and they're like, we'll be right back. And I look over and Olivia is lifeless and she's purple. And they're like, we'll be back. And I was like... What is wrong with you? Like, they don't say anything to anybody. They just be taking stuff and leaving the room. They took my wife. They took my baby. Like, they just, they just leave the room. Come back when they want. So I, I hear them go next door. And then all of a sudden, I hear Olivia start crying. And I'm like, oh, God. She's alive, right? And I went over, finally got to grab her. If There's a picture on, on Carmen's Facebook, if you find it. The picture I'm first holding Olivia. Olivia, her head, she looks like a cone head from the Kiwi. And I'm holding her, and I'm like, I'm like sweating profusely, and I'm like, like that, because I'm like, I don't know what just happened. But this is a baby, right? So I got to thinking about this, all that to set this up. I got to thinking about this, and when we sing, Oh, Holy Night, there's so much more. We sing it, we're like, oh, it is the night of our dear Savior's mercy. And we're all like, man, this is nice. It feels all warm. It feels all... Let me tell you something. That was in a hospital where they teach people how to deliver living beings. Mary and Joseph were in a cave where animals took shelter and there was hay and poop everywhere. This was not a pretty scene. This was not like, it wasn't that. This was dirty. This was grimy. This was scary. They didn't have, you know, 15 different students in the room ready to, to cut and chop and pull and run and did, they didn't have any of that. This scene was probably not what we painted to be in our mind. So why, why 
Do we paint it up to be such a pretty picture and we sing about it like that? There's a good reason that we do. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, we got to get to, like, sometimes we think about this, it doesn't, it doesn't equate right, right? So I'm thinking about it, and here's the thing. Jesus, I, I, I had awaited Olivia's birth. The whole time, from the moment we found out she was going to be born, I worked a job where I had to be in at work at 3.30 a.m. It was a 45-minute drive from my house. Like I said, so Cala was like the only job I could find. And I had to go 45 minutes there. So I'd wake up roughly around like 2 a.m. every day, get ready and go. And every day on my 45-minute drive, every single day, I would pray for Olivia. I would just talk to God about how I thought she was going to be, what I thought she was going to sound like, how, who I thought she was going to look like more, right? Hoping to God that it would be a good mix because it could go wrong, right? And so I'm like, do it for the whole time through the pregnancy. I'd anticipated that moment. I couldn't wait to touch her. I couldn't wait to hold her. I couldn't wait to, for her to get old enough for us to talk and for us to play and to cuddle. And now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're in that moment. And I just remember thinking back at so much anticipation that I put into it, so much anxiety that went into it, so much mystery and wonder that was built around that one moment. And then every day ever since that one moment, I'm, I'm not joking. I don't know if there's any first-time dads in here. I don't know if it's different after you have like two, three, or four. But every day since that moment, I, I think to myself at least once a day, man, this little thing right here changed everything about me, changed everything for me. Here's the thing about Jesus. This and this song is talking about that. But it wasn't ordinary just like a father's expectancy. These people for generations and generations and generations built that expectancy around the arrival of Jesus. So much hope, so, much, so many desires that were laid on him, the hope for redemption, the hope for reconciliation, all these different things they had cast upon who they thought Jesus was going to be. And then you have to remember, this was just a promise. God said, yeah, it's going to happen. And so for years and years and generations and generations, they were like, God, when are you going to fulfill this promise, right? This promise of hope. And then this night, the reason why they sing about it like this is because on this night, all of those things came to fruition. They could see right in front of their eyes, God fulfill his promise of a coming king, right? Check out the words to the song. Never looked at it. Go ahead and throw up my first, my first little batch of words there. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Does anybody know what pining means? That cook there. Anybody know what pining means? Okay, don't worry. I got you on this. Till he appeared and the soul felt it's worth. Go ahead and throw up my second one. Here's what pining means. It says, to suffer a mental and physical decline because of a broken heart. So in other words, long lay the world in sin and error. So there's all this sin, all these different things, mishaps going on in the world. And people are suffering, literally, a mental and a physical. It's a tangible breakdown of life because... They're living with a broken heart. Go to the next stanza of lyrics. Then the song says this, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Here's what the song is painting a picture of, okay? The world is broken down. 
The world is hurting. The world is actually experiencing tangible results of a fall, of the fall, right? Sin has got the world jacked up. People are experiencing mental, physical, all different kinds of breakdowns because of what's happening. And now everybody just knows how to live with a broken heart. We settled for this. We settled for mediocre. We settled for hopelessness, essentially, right? But then it says, wait a minute. Till he appeared. Till he appeared, then the soul found its worth. A, a thrill of hope. Have you guys ever been in like a really hard situation before where it's like, man, you don't see a way out. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, right? And then all of a sudden when you, like a light bulb goes off in your brain and you think of like a way out or you think of like a solution or you think of a way that you can kind of make things better and you get like a little bit of a rush, you're like, wait a minute, ah, 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 right? That's the thrill of hope. It says that humanity, when Jesus, when Jesus came and, and everybody foretold of his hope, that same thrill of hope is what ran through creation. They're like, wait a minute. All this is fallen. All this is broken. Everything's messed up. But wait, there's a hope that's coming in Jesus, and it's energizing people. It's making people so optimistic that they can grab that hope, they can hold on to that hope, and they can work through whatever's going on until that hope is realized. So when Jesus came, boom, they were like, wait a minute. This is true. God's promises are true. Now we actually have this hope that's here. So, so Jesus kind of introduced this idea of progressive hope, right? For so long they were here, and they were like, well, Jesus is coming one day. Then Jesus came, right? And then, and then they were like, wait a minute, but they said that when Jesus comes, he's going to reconcile all things to himself. So then that hope was cast forward, right? So then we moved to that, and then the cross happened, and they were like, wait a minute, promise number one fulfilled, promise number two fulfilled, and now we're in this third period of time where there's this promise that Jesus is going to bring an ultimate reconciliation to all these things. So now we're in the middle of this like third promise point of time, right? So wait a minute, if that hope happened behind us, and then the cross happened behind us, what hope do we have in today? Jesus already did that back there. He did that back there again. We're kind of in this middle time. What about right now? What about today? Let's see what scripture says. Start my first scripture. 1 Peter 1.3. says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living. Everybody say living. That wasn't everybody. Don't play me. Say living. Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hit, up, hit my, my next uh, scripture. This is Romans 8, 24 and 25. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope, check this out, that is seen is not really hope. Who hopes in what they can see? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we wait patiently for it. So wait a minute. If hope is already realized for you, if you put your hope in something that's already happened, something you can already touch, then, then what the heck is hope for? Nobody hopes for something that already happened. That's a fact at that point. It's something that already came true at that point. Your hope is in something that you don't see but you trust is coming along the way, right? So you put that thought with the fact that they said, wait a minute, we were born again in Christ into a living hope, not a temporary hope, not a future hope, not the hope for hope to come. You live in, or you were born into a living hope. You know what that means for you and me? That means that there's hope for today. That means that there's hope for right now. If you, if you live life, which you all do, amen, hallelujah, you guys are here breathing, you know that life isn't 
rainbows, and butterflies. It's compromise, it moves us along. Right, come on, who knows it? You know it, she's smiling. I don't mind spending every day out on your corner in the pouring rain. Y'all just go watch me. Okay, we're moving on. I gave you a snap. I was ready for y'all to set it off. And Adam Levine, not for y'all. Okay. Okay. So, you have a living hope. That means that today, in this life, it's not just rainbows and butterflies. I'm not gonna, I want to go back into it. I'm not gonna. It's not just rainbows and butterflies. It's not just everything's peachy keen all the time, right? Even in the middle of the holiday season, right? We watch all these movies and, and, and you see all these things. It's like, man, kids are getting gifts. Everybody's got money for everything. I know I don't, right? And I only got one kid. Help me, Lord, right? And so, like, all these different things happen and life does not stop. Life is not polite. Life doesn't respect you. Life, do- life doesn't care. Life is going to keep swinging and keep throwing stuff at you no matter what day or time it is, Right? Some of us feel that now more than others. Some of us just kind of feel like that's life, period, because that's just the regular routine that we're used to, right? Life doesn't care. Life doesn't stop. Life doesn't stop moving, right? That's why I like movies like, uh, you ever watch um, uh, Jingle All the Way? Jingle All the Way is dope because I, lo- I love that movie because Arnold always has, like, he's trying to find to- a toy the whole time. That's how I feel like my life is. Every time he goes, he, find- he hits, like, a dead end, and Sinbad's there to try to, like, hit him with the remote control car and stuff. It's a great movie. Watch it. This is like, li- there's things always go wrong, but here's the thing. Jesus today says there's hope for today. So do you got an issue? Ask yourself. You don't got to answer out loud. Do you have an issue that you're going through right now? Finances. There's hope for that. Medical reports, there's hope for that. Things going on with your kids, there's hope for that. I mean, it might be a little bit, you know, kids are hard. But there's hope for that. What, listen to me, let me ask you today. What is it that you are going through that you feel hopeless in? What is it that you're going through that you feel like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel? What is it that you're going through that you feel like you need a resolve in, but it's not coming and you can't see a way out of that situation? Because here's, here's the thing about Jesus. There's hope for that. He's a living hope. You know, back then, they hoped for the arrival of a Savior. And that hope was fulfilled in the manger. They saw that promise come to life. Then after that, The hope was in redemption, salvation, forgiveness for sins. And that hope was fulfilled in the cross. And now today, our hope is in the reconciliation of all things. That means Jesus bringing back all things to their right state. Jesus restoring everything to how it's supposed to be. Jesus promises that that's going to happen. So we have, it's funny, we have a now hope and we have a later hope. We still have a hope that's twofold because Jesus says, Ayo, keep your eyes fixed in the right place because one day I'm coming back. 
I'm coming back and we're going to finish what we started. But until then, if you are in me, then I have a hope for you that's not there, that's right here. Your hope is there, but it's not, it's not finished there. You don't have to wait for me to come back to see all these things realized. My hope for you that I give to you is in today. It's in today. It's a living hope. It's a tangible hope that if you would just trust in me, you can look back and see my track record. Did I say I was going to do it? Yeah. Did I do it? Yeah. The next time, did I say I was going to do it? Yeah. Did I do it? Yeah. So when I'm in the middle of this and you're in the middle of this and we're struggling and we're hurting and we're wrestling and we don't see hope, listen, rejoice and trust God. Because when Jesus came on that, right, all holy night, Jesus came on that night not to just give hope to the shepherds and the kings and the peasants that were out there in that society. He came to give hope for salvation. And now that we're in him and we've received that salvation, he came to restore hope in your today knowing that you can trust that there's a hope that's coming in the future. Amen? Jesus came. He did what he said he was going to do. And what he wants you to know is that there's hope for you. There's no situation too big or too small. Listen, creation held its breath waiting for the arrival of this baby because they knew that this baby would grow to not just be a savior, but to be a reigning king who's coming again. And when he comes, he's bringing hope, he's bringing promises fulfilled, he's bringing restoration to the broken hearts that this psalm talks about, to the broken world that we live in. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, God. We thank you, God, that hope is found in your, in your name, God. Hope Hope should be your name, God. There's In this world that we live in, what other hope do we have that we can lean on that is for sure, that is guaranteed, that is permanent, God? There's temporary hope left and right. There's temporary satisfaction left and right. There's temporary gratification left and right. But God, none of it is permanent unless it's found in you. So Jesus, today, for all of us who are in here that need some hope, pray that you show us that your hope, that your promises, they're not way back there or way up there. The hope that you give us is living. It's active. It's real. In Jesus, it's sufficient for anything we're going through. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and